Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Has he been good to you? You know, sometimes you just wonder how much gooder can he be. But he can be gooder. Amen. Amen. You know, it's what we allow. What we allow him in our life to do and to be. Amen. I wrote a song back in the 80s, and part of the words was that he will be everything that you let him be. And Lord, I'll let you be everything that you want to be. Amen. Amen. Which is nice words, but you know, that doesn't happen unless you take hold of his word and put it in your heart and put it in your mouth. Put it in your heart, put it in your mouth. And he'll be whatever it is that you believe him to be based on his word. You know, Hebrews 11 says that they that come to God must believe that he is. Well, you know, it doesn't mean that you believe he exists. You know, if I come to Anita, I must believe she's sitting there. You know, I'm not over here like Anita. Uh, you know, you know, you could lock me up for something like that. You know, but I believe that she exists. She's right there so I can come over to her because I believe she exists. So I wouldn't come to God unless I believed he exists. So it's not that you believe he exists, but you come to God believing that he is exactly what he, what he, what you need, what he says that he is, what he says he can do. And you come to God based on that, believing that he is exactly what you need and that he's a rewarder of that which you're seeking him about. Amen. And how do we seek him? Through his word. Amen. 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 Huh? I did. Yes. Glory to God. Everybody good today? I'm glad you're here. You're a good looking group. I can't see you out there on live stream, but I know you're a good looking group. That's why you're connecting to the word because the word makes you look good. Amen. Amen. Renews your youth like the eagle. Praise God. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, let's open up to the book of Genesis, chapter 4, this morning. We've been talking about giving and sowing and tithing and all kinds of things. So today we want to look at first fruits. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, you can't sit there and go, well, I've heard this and I know about this. Because what you knew and what you know isn't faith for today. You need faith for today and things have to come alive in you like they did back then when you believed it. You know, sometimes you're trying to operate on old revelation and it's not fresh today. And the word of God has to be fresh. Isn't that right? Because faith comes by hearing, not by having heard it. Faith don't come because, oh, I know that between my ears. All right? Faith comes alive in my spirit when I hear the Word of God. So I have to connect to that, take hold of it, and set myself to hear in my spirit what the Spirit of God is saying. Amen? Amen? Are you set? Are you ready to hear? Hallelujah. Genesis 4.4. This is talking about um, Abel. Genesis 4, 4, Abel on his part also brought of the firstlings or the first fruit of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. 
So he brought, he brought the firstlings or the firstborn of his flock. Okay, so this would be the first of all the increase that would come by the way of Abel's flocks. All right, so he brought the first of the flocks. And this is the first recording in the Bible of a first fruit offering. Okay, and he says that, and of their fat portions. Now, the fat portions, what it means, it conveys the idea that Abel gave God his best. You know, you can give God a little something. Or then you can give God your best. And by giving God the best and by coming with the first fruit offering, it acknowledged that God had lordship over his flocks and that he was the God of Abel's increase. God, you have given me increase. You are the God of that which I possess. So therefore, I'm bringing to you the first fruit and the fat portion, the best part of it. Because I'm not afraid of missing out and losing out. Because the God that provided it will provide again. Isn't that right? With a grateful heart, Abel gave his best. Knowing that God who gave him the best would continue to bless him. Amen. See, God blesses and then we honor God with what he's blessed us with. And as we bless God, as we, I'm sorry, as we honor God, God continues to bless us. And as God continues to bless us, we continue to honor God. And the cycle just continues on and on. Amen. Amen. Deuteronomy 18. I won't keep you long today. In the scheme of eternity, it won't be long at all. Deuteronomy 18.4. Hallelujah. It says, You shall give him the first fruits of your grain, your new wine and your oil, and the first shearing of your sheep. Okay? So the first fruit offering was covering their grain, their new wine, their oil, and their flocks. All right? So anytime there was an increase of grain, new wine, oil, or flocks, the first fruit of it went to the Lord. All right, the firstling or the first fruit sheaf of the, of the grain was a bundle of grain stalks, and they were laid down lengthwise, and then they were all tied together, okay, after reaping. So this was presented at Passover. At Passover, the first fruit offerings came, and it was offered by the congregation before the commencement of the grain harvest. So before the harvest was even taken, You know, before harvest comes, there's growth in the field. And if there's no growth in the field, there's no harvest. Isn't that right? So before there was even any harvest, they would take the first of the growth in the field and bring that and offer it to God as a first fruit offering of that which had been grown before there was ever even any uh, harvest taking place. Now, the great historian Josephus says that the sheaf was made of barley and that until the ceremony had been performed, no harvest work was to be done. So until, until that first offering was brought of the field, no harvest could be done at all. Because you can't harvest if you have not yet offered. Are you with me? So it's not like, well, we'll get to the offering. We'll get that to that later. We need to go do the... No, that's out of order. First comes the offering, then comes the harvest. That's good. Now then, 
when the harvest was, was completed, they had a loaf made out of the new flour or the wheat, okay? And they had loaves made and they were unleavened and they would bring then the loaves to the Lord as a first fruit offering of the harvest. Are you with me? So they would take those sheaves that was the first fruit of the, of the field and they would wave it before the Lord in ceremonial uh, uh, function. And uh, then after the harvest was completed, all of the wheat that was harvested, they would make some loaves of bread, unleavened bread, and then they would take them before the Lord and wave those before the Lord. And it was out of gratitude and thankfulness not only for the crop, but also for the harvest. That's good. Amen. Are you with me? You know, sometimes you have to be thankful for the crop before the harvest even comes in. So first fruits was very, very important to the Jews because they were an agricultural society. So they brought the first part of their harvest as a special offering to God, and it was always done during Pentecost. So this was honoring God out of their increase. Now, the difference between Cain and Abel's offering was the heart condition. And heart condition is very, very important when we do things with the Lord. Because especially when it comes to giving and offerings, it says Jesus sat and watched how they gave, not what they gave, but how they gave. Because heart condition is very important before the Lord. Amen. So Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. There's a lot of references in the Old Testament and in the New Testament about first fruit or firstling offerings. But Proverbs talks about it straight up right here. Verses 9 and 10. Honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce. So your bonds will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. So he's telling us straight up about what this is about with the first fruit giving. And we see here what we should do. Honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce. And then we see what God promises to do in return. Your bonds will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Amen. Now, when it says to honor the Lord, okay, we are to honor him with the first of all increase the first of all wealth, and the first of all that is produced. Honor means to be heavy, okay? There's a heaviness that is attached to the word honor. So therefore, we place heavy importance on the Lord. When we honor him, we are placing a heavy importance on him, that we're overwhelmed with gratitude, and therefore we honor him. Are you with me? We give to God in generosity, and giving the best to him. And what is the best? The first of all that is produced. And what does God promise? Your bonds will be filled. Or it will overflow. Your bonds are going to be filled. Your bonds will be filled and your vats will overflow. Now what was the bond? The bond is a place where you store items. Right? Now I'm from New York City. We didn't have any bonds. All right? But a bond could be anything. It's a place where you store things. You may have a 
box in your house that you put money in, well, that box is going to get filled if you're honoring God with your first fruit offerings. All right, so it doesn't matter what your bond is, what your storage place is. The promise is that it will be filled with what? Plenty. Plenty. It means abundance, overflow. All right, now, what do we know about the tithe? If you bring the tithe into the storehouse, he'll open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing till there's not room enough to receive it or until it overflows. Isn't that right? On his path drips fatness overflow abundance over here he says your bonds will be filled with plenty with abundance all right god how many of you know that god is smarter than we are i mean even if it's just a little bit now god is interested in our taking hold of abundance a lot of people don't believe that and i don't think they read their bible i really don't God wants you to have an abundance. Yes, he does. Amen. What is an abundance? It's more than what you have right now. Yes. God expects increase in our life. Amen. 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 He's interested in it. So why don't we get interested in it? You know why people don't get interested in it? Because they're carnal. They're run by their flesh. And they're afraid money will control them. Why well, I suggest you get your life in order. Money, like anything else, is not designed to control you. Get away from the fruit tree. Amen. God's interested. He mentions it all through the Bible. He's interested in our taking hold of abundance. And then he said, your vats or your, it's your vine, uh, wine press... But it's a sign of divine blessing that your vats will overflow, that the grapes of the vat will overflow. And it's a sign of divine blessing that they'll overflow, that they'll, they'll be a breaking out of divine blessing in your life. Yes, hallelujah. hallelujah. You know, God does not expect his children to live in the beggarly elements of the world. He says too much about abundance, too much about overflow, too much about fatness. He just says too much about it. And he don't expect you to live in those beggarly elements. Amen. But it's all based on how we handle the increase that comes into our life. What do we do when we receive increase? You know, that's a good question. What do I do when I receive increase? The first fruit offerings was tied to when the time of increase took place with their crops. Well, we're not farmers, so it has to do with the work of our hand and what produces increase, and the first fruit offering of the increase belongs to the Lord. Amen. 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 And we honor him with it. So, you know, it's not that he's demanding it, but it's that we ought to honor him, that he brings increase into our life. Amen. Amen. He says, honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all you produce. Now, I've known people <clears throat> that they would give God the best at the first of the year as a first offering of the year. And it's a great principle for sowing, but it's not a first fruit offering. Just because it's the beginning of the year, it doesn't make it a first fruit offering. 
I've known people that waited till the end of the year and then based on what the profit was of their business and then they would bring a tithe in for that. That's great, as it should be, but that's not a first fruit offering. The first fruit offering is the first of all you produce or all of your increase. Not the first before you produce an increase like the first of the year, but it's the first of all that you produce and all that you increase. It's not the end of the year when you have all the profit from the business because then that would be a tithe. Okay, so let me explain it to you this way. Somebody gives you a $100 blessing. They just want to bless you. Here's $100. Wonderful. Isn't that great? But there's no first fruit offering of that. Why? Because there's no second coming. I don't mean second coming of Christ. I'm talking about a second coming of the $100 bill. All right. There's no first fruit offering because there isn't going to be a second increase. So there is no first fruit offering because there's no second. Do you understand what I'm saying? So if I'm at work, if I'm working, like when I worked in the automotive business and my generous boss came out to give me a 25 cent raise, you have no idea how this annoys the snot out of me. When I came out of New York in a bookbinders union and I moved down here and I start working in 1975 with a family and my boss I mean, he's excited. He was giving me a 10-cent raise. I about fell over. I'm like, I didn't know what to say. I didn't know whether to cut. I wasn't saved at the time, so I didn't know whether to cuss him out. I didn't know whether to say thank you. I just stared at him like, a 10-cent raise? Are you kidding me? Anyway, suppose you're, (laughs) that's that's a little side note. It means nothing. But suppose I'm working someplace and, and I get a $25 raise a week, okay? So I get, let's say I was making $200 a week, so now I'm going to get $225 a week. So that first $25 extra in that check goes as a first fruit offering. You don't give the whole $225, you give the first fruit the, the increase. Does that make sense to you? So you're not giving the 225, you're giving 25 because that's what your increase is because you're getting $25 every week now. So the first $25 then goes in for a first fruit offering, okay? Well, it'd be the same with Social Security. You know, when the government blesses you with such an increase in Social Security, you know, well, that first increase of that check would go to the Lord, all right? Now... Here's the kicker. Just like when I worked for somebody and I got a $25 increase, was that before taxes or after taxes? So if I get a Social Security check and they give me increase on my Social Security, well, is that going to be before they take Medicare out or after? Because, I mean, I'm not getting that money. It's going, you see how we think? No, it's before taxes. It's before money's taken out of Medicare. So let me give you this simple rule. If you skimp with God, he will skimp with you. If you think you're giving too much to God, he'll tell you he's given too much to you. See, it's heart condition. It's all about heart condition. Okay? Suppose I have a business and I have a new client at work that has promised 
a continual increase of I take on a client and it's going to produce another $200 a week. First $200, first fruit offering. Suppose I just start a brand new business. The first week of profit would be first fruit offering. Goes to the Lord. What if you start a new job? Your first check can go to the Lord. It's always the first of a continual increase. It's not, the, it's not a one-time deal. This is a continual increase. Okay? So wherever there is a continual increase, the first, so to speak, payment or installment of it goes to the Lord. <clears throat> That's the first fruit offering. Okay? The first one. Why? It's the best one. You know why? Because you finally got a job. You finally got a new client. You finally got an increase of Social Security. You finally got a raise. And you know how much you want that. And when you release it to the Lord, that is the best. You're giving him the best. Are you with me? That's a first fruit offering. It is the fat of the increase. And it's only given once on the increase. So if you got a $25 a week raise, you're not giving $25 a week to the Lord. You're giving that first 25, first fruit offering, okay? And it's given with honor. So first fruit offering is a one-time deal on the increase. You're giving it on the increase. You're not giving it on the income. You give it on the increase. You give it with honor to God. Because the, he is the Lord of the increase. Yes. Amen. Amen. Second Corinthians 9.10. How many of you, this is the first time you've heard about first fruit of an increase? Okay. How many of you, this is the first time you've heard it this way? Second Corinthians 9.10. <clears throat> Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. All right, so this is not just getting a harvest, but it's an increase of the harvest. So it's not an isolated blessing, but it's an increase that continues on. All right. Again, somebody put $25 in your hand one time, that verse is an increase that comes in regularly. All right? So, if I'm giving and I'm tithing, as I should be, I'm sowing seed, but I'm not doing first fruit offerings, that could be the difference between living in the wilderness of having your needs met and living in the promised land of abundance. Say, this is just another step, another way of bringing increase into your life. Does God need your whatever it is you're giving him? No. No, he doesn't need it. Not at all. But you need it. Yes. You need it. You know? And, um, you know, I heard uh, this morning, Keith Moore was talking somewhat on, on the Ten Commandments. He was touching on it. And there's not one of those commandments that are there to hurt you. They're all there to help you. Uh, the, the commandment that says, thou shalt not murder. I know in King James it says, shall not kill, it's wrong, it's murder. Hands that shed innocent blood. 
okay? Therefore, wartime killing is not murder. Capital punishment is not murder. Got quiet in this Presbyterian church on that one. But that's not murder. Because if somebody is declared guilty, according to the courts, then it's not innocent blood. It's penalty. It's justice. And there's a major difference. Okay? There's a lot of guys that come home from war totally racked in their brain because the people that they killed and figure they've murdered all these people. Well, they didn't murder them. I remember watching a, how many of you remember that show, The West Wing? You remember that show? Yeah. Okay, and um, who was it, the star of it? The Weasel. Who was it? What's his name? Sheen. Martin Sheen. Yeah, The Weasel. Anyway, there's a lot of weasels, you know, in Hollywood. Anyway, Martin Sheen had a uh, responsibility <clears throat> to decide whether or not, <clears throat> as president, to decide whether or not somebody should receive the death penalty. And it got all the way to the end of whether he was going to pull, have them pull the handle and give the death penalty or not. Well, by the end of the show, I mean, they drug it out. Jesus, they drug the whole thing out. And at the end of the show, he decided not to put a stay on the execution and let the man be executed. And he had a priest in the room with him. And he said, oh, Father, forgive me. Forgive you for what? You didn't murder anybody. But you see, there's just such a wrong interpretation, even within the church, certainly within the religious world, but even within the church, there's such a wrong understanding about killing versus murder. So murder, hands that shed innocent blood, <clears throat> why would that help you? Because if you don't murder, when you murder somebody, it does something in you. You'll never be the same again when you've murdered them. And he, God's trying to protect you from that. Just like stealing, committing adultery, anything else that's in that, those commandments, it does something in you. And God's trying to protect you from that. Amen. So in the same way with giving first fruit offerings, he's not trying to take something from you. He's trying to get you. God, get, get something to you. God is always, always, always looking out for our benefit. He's always looking to bring increase into our life. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So again, Mark 12, 41. So you see, he wants to increase the harvest. The harvest. Righteousness. The harvest of your righteousness means the harvest of your righteous act of giving. Because Jesus calls giving a righteous act. Okay? And you can see that in Matthew 6. But here in Mark 12, verse 41. He sat down opposite the treasury and began observing how the people were putting money into the treasury. And many rich people were putting in large sums of money. All right, so what Jesus wants to know is how, because the how is heart condition, okay? And that's what he's looking at. You know, he told uh, the prophet Samuel when he went to Jesse's house to anoint the next king, he looked at all of Jesse's sons and he thought, oh, this will be king, this will be king. But God said, get David out of the field and bring him in. And he says, because man judges according to what he sees, but I look at the heart. 
Amen. 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 Jesus wants to know the how, the heart condition of what we do in anything, not just giving. But first fruit giving shows our heart. Okay? It's a gratitude for the increase that has come into our life. First fruit giving shows that we love God more than we love money. When our motive is generosity with thankfulness, God is then going to be able to trust us more. Do you ever think that maybe things don't come into your hand because God can't trust you? You know, you got to prove yourself to God. You know, in, in the tithe and in, in offerings, he says, now prove me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing till there's not room enough to receive it. You know, we're big on proving God. Well, he's big on proving you, honey. You don't just fly through life just the way you want to. He's proving you every step of the way. He wants to see what you're going to do. If he brings an increase into your life, what are you going to do with it? He wants to know. He's going to watch you and see what you do. He wants to see what's in your heart. Isn't that right? It tells you that in, in Chronicles, he left the envoys alone to see all that was in their heart. With Abraham, he, he told them, don't touch your son. Abraham was about to put the knife through his son on the altar. And the angel of the Lord said, don't touch your son because now I know. God wants to know. He's watching. You say, well, God knows everything. Then why is he watching you? See, he gave you free will, and it's up to you to choose what you're going to choose. Amen. Well, I still believe God knows everything. Well, maybe he's chosen not to know. He chose not to remember your sins. Why can't he choose not to know what you're going to do? And he'll just sit back and watch and wait and see what you're going to do. You have free will. You have influences in your life, and you get to choose what you're going to allow to influence you in the decisions you need to make. God wants to be able to trust you. He wants to know that you are trustworthy with increase. You know, the Bible says that a, a fool is soon separated from his money. You know, well, money don't make you a fool. Foolishness is something that's in us. And if we have freedom because of abundance, it's just going to show out the fool that we've been hiding all those years. <laughs> but a first fruit offering shows our love for God. And it's only done once on the increase. Okay, when we sold our house, it was a one-time sale, so there was no first fruit offering. Now, there was a tithe, and there was sowing seed and all, but there was no first fruit offering because we didn't have, you know, another one to sell. You understand what I'm saying? Okay, so first fruit offering shows our love for God, and it's only done once on the increase, and it's each on each repetitive increase. Okay, so when there's a repetitive increase, the first one goes to God. Yeah. Is this plain? Am I making this plain? Yeah. Okay. Romans eleven sixteen. I really want you to get that. 
It says, if the first piece of dough is holy, the lump is also. And if the root is holy, the branches are also. If the first piece of dough, the first piece of dough is what? The first fruit. It's the first. So if the first of our increase is considered holy and given to the Lord, then all the increase will be holy. So if I get a, again, if I get a $25 a week raise, but I hold on to that and I don't want to give it to the, to the Lord, then the rest of the finances are not holy either. It touches everything. It's just like they talk about the tithe. The tithe was meant to bring into the storehouse and it was put on the altar to be burned. Well, if you don't bring the tithe in and you keep it in your pocket, it burns everything else in your pocket. And this is why you can live on 90% instead of having all 100% being cursed. The blessing of God on 90% is better than the curse of the devil on 100%. Amen. Now, a curse without a cause cannot alight. So if we're doing as we should and what we ought to and honoring God with it, then there cannot be a curse. There can be a tax, but there can't be a curse. But if I'm dishonoring God and not doing as I ought to, then everything that I do have and touch will be cursed because it has a, a reason to bring a curse. It has a cause. Isn't that right? So what we have, when what we have becomes holy, this is when life starts to make a turn. You want your life to start making a turn, get the stuff of your life to start becoming holy. And the way we do that is by honoring God with what we have. If the first is honorable and holy, then everything is honorable and holy. And it starts growing the abundant overflow of divine blessing. Now, it's a process and there's involved with it, you know, but you got to start someplace. You know, how many of you have gone to school for some sort of a profession? Okay. Well, what did you do? Did you sit there and go, I don't want to do that school stuff. I just want to be. And then when you did start that school, did you automatically become? No. no, you had to go through the process of the schooling and the training and the learning and taking hold of the things that you needed to do for your profession. And then when you finished all the schooling and you had all the classroom practice, then you had to get into the real world and you had to start working it. So it's like you could sit in church and you can hear about things and say, that's great and wonderful, but you got to go out there and start working it in your life. And it starts growing and starts taking hold in your life step by step. It's a process. Amen. Amen. And there's a devil that wants to rob your bodega. He wants to come in and steal from you and rob from you and get you to get out of that lifestyle so that you can't be blessed. And you have to stand up to him. And this is why you have to know about dominion and you have to know about authority and you have to know about faith and grace because it's all part of it. You know, I can say, well, great, I'm going to go start a bodega, bless God, and I'm going to start selling all this stuff, and it's going to be great. And then the first time a thief comes in and you're not armed, you don't have an alarm system, you don't have a surveillance camera, you don't have anything you need to protect yourself. Well, it's the same thing. You can go, bless God, I'm going to go on into it, but you didn't develop anything in your life to protect yourself. 
The devil don't want you to walk in an abundant overflow of divine blessing. In fact, he don't even want you walking in a drip. If he can discourage you from walking in the drip, he'll keep you out of the abundance. Amen. Amen. Romans chapter 8. Thank you, Jesus. Romans 8, 29. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son so that he would be firstborn among many brethren. Okay, just as a little side note, who did he foreknow? Everybody. He foreknew everybody. Before you were even born in the womb, he knew you. He says of Jeremiah and he says of you, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. You came from heaven. Isn't that right? So he foreknew every single one of us, and he foreknew us, and because he foreknew us, the plan of God was that when you come to the earth, you'll become conformed to the image of his son. Hallelujah. This is not about a select group. This is everybody, and everybody has the choice. God's plan for you is that you would become conformed to the image of his son. Which is what? The most powerful position you could ever be in upon the earth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And that the son, Jesus, would be the firstborn among many brethren. So Jesus was the father's first fruit offering for mankind. If the first is holy, then all the increase of believers in him will be holy. Right? The first fruit offering is not a tenth. It's not a part, of the, it's a part of the increase. It is the whole increase. So if I got a $25 a week raise, $2.50 is not the first fruit offering. It's a tithe, but it's not the first fruit offering. You know, whenever we get an increase, we will give that first fruit offering to God and then tithe at the same time. Not only on the increase, but on the income. Why? Skimp with God or skimp with you. I mean, I've heard it through the years. I have had people fight over, well, giving to the Lord out of your, your weekly check. Is it out of the net or is it out of the gross? And I'm thinking, you know, your arguing over this is gross. I mean, what are you making? A million dollars a week that... This is just too much to, to give. I mean, you got to be kidding. See, and what are they doing? See, they don't have the right heart because they're looking to skimp on God. So what's going to be the difference between the net and the gross? Let's say $50. That's $5 extra on your time. Well, if I give on the gross, does that mean that when I get money back on income tax, I don't have to tithe off of that because I already did on the growth. See, you're still looking to get out. You got the wrong heart. That's good. And I want to know how you get money back. <laughs> Are you with me? See, but if the first is holy, then all is holy. The first fruit offering is not a tenth. It's the whole increase. Jesus didn't just offer up a part of himself. He gave all. He gave spirit. 
soul, and body. He gave up his position. He gave up his rank. He gave up his deity. He was the increase from mankind, and he gave it all as a first fruit offering, that he would be the first among many brethren. Hallelujah. This is why the first fruit offering is so important to God in every aspect. It's truly a heart-driven offering and given generously with a heart of gratitude. That's why he says he loves a cheerful giver. You know, Jesus on his way to the cross, it says, who for the joy set before him endured. He didn't go to that cross mumbling, moaning, and complaining. He went with joy. Because he knew the result was he's the first fruit and there'll be a lot coming behind him. Amen. Well, you see, if you had that same attitude with your finances, you'd say, well, bless God, this is the first fruit, but there's much coming behind it. It's the same principle. Isn't that right? So what does Jesus see when we come before him with our giving? You know, what is our purpose in giving? Are we giving obediently? Are we giving out of gratitude? Are we giving with a heart of love? If we want to be useful to the master, if we want to see God's blessing in our life, we have to do things God's way. It's just the way it is. You know, you, you ever been to a financial seminar? And you walk away from the financial seminar and they've told you about this and how this is going to work. And you're like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to do this over here. And you realize it don't work because no. you're not doing it. Right. You're close, but you're just not doing it. You're on the side of the road. <laughs> you know, before getting saved, I lived pretty much a life of lack. Now, as a 19-year-old, you know, according to today's economy, back then I was making 450 to 650 a week, which was four to six. I think it was four to six thousand dollars in today's economy a week. So even in today's economy, that would be good. Well, by the time I went into the military, I had nothing left because I spent it all. So lack wasn't because I wasn't increasing. Lack was because I was foolish. I was young and foolish, and age don't change that. That's right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> something inside has to change. <clears throat> but after getting saved, I lived in lack. I still lived in lack. I used to read things in the Bible that says there, there's trouble in the income of the wicked. And I'm thinking, there's trouble in my income for sure, but am I wicked? Am I not doing, what's wrong with me? You know, and I would read stuff like that and, and I would think, I, I don't get it. <clears throat> you know, there's, there's much increase in the house of the righteous, but in the house of the wicked, there is trouble. And I'm like, oh, I have troubles, <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, you know, we started tithing and we started sowing seed as we needed to. <clears throat> and we started to climb out a little bit. Do you ever see that, that, that cartoon where the guy's looking over the, uh, the, the ledge and all you could see is his eyes and his fingers? You know, that's, that's what life was like. We couldn't get out, but we were looking out someplace. What was the issue? The issue is there was problems on the inside of me. I know you find that hard to believe. 
That's right. Not in, not in past and age. She was perfect in all of her ways. In fact, we were just singing about her. You know. <laughs> so, but there was problems inside of me, okay? And I did the best that I could based on what I knew. I mean, you've heard the old story. You know, you, your car stops running, you're going down the road, your car stops running, and uh, you, you're cranking it, you're cranking it, you're stepping on the gas pedal, which doesn't work with, with fuel injection, but, you know, you're stepping on the gas pedal because you're thinking that's, that's going to help, and you're trying to crank it, and it's not working. So you do the next best thing. You get out of the car, and you go to the front and open the hood and look. Have no idea what you're looking at, but you're looking at it because, bless God, you got to do something. And we come to the conclusion, I did all that I could, and it didn't work. So what was the issue? You just didn't know enough. That's all the issue was. You didn't know enough, so you want to call somebody that knows a little bit more than you do or can get the car someplace to people that do know something on how to get it started. Isn't that right? Amen. So you just didn't know enough. And uh, that was my deal. I just didn't know enough. I mean, I was climbing out a little bit, but I just didn't know enough. I had to keep growing and keep learning and keep moving into the things of God. And I had to grow in God's principles, number one. But most importantly, I had to grow in heart condition. Yeah, it is. You know, one of the biggest reasons I gave when I first got saved was because I needed to get back. And really, that's not the right heart condition. Now, as a little infant, it works because kids don't know any different. But as you grow, it's your heart condition that has to change. We still know that we're going to get a return because that's what the Word of God says. But it's heart condition that really needs to be developed. Giving to God with the right heart condition. Isn't that right? And through the years, there's many times that I've had to believe the unbelievable and receive the impossible. But it was line upon line, precept upon precept, a little here, a little there. You're not going to walk out there and go, well, let's see all the impossible things that I can do here. You know, you know we did that teaching at one time. What would you do if you knew you could not fail? I mean, if you absolutely knew on the inside you can't fail, what would you do? A lot different than what you are doing. Believing the unbelievable and receiving the impossible. Well, there's many times that I've been in financial situations and I had to receive the impossible. What I had to receive was actually unbelievable. I didn't see how, I had no idea how any of this was going to work. You know, I'm not talking about 20 bucks for a meal. You know, I remember the, the story that Brother Copeland gave, and they were driving someplace, and uh, his kids were small in the back seat, and they're driving someplace, and the kids are like, Daddy, we're hungry. Can we stop and eat? And he'd say, well, not yet, kids. Not yet, kids. And they'd drive a little more, and they'd say, Daddy, can we stop and get something to eat? We're hungry. And he'd say, well, not yet, kids. We're not able to right now, kids. And he'd drive, and he pulls up to a stoplight, and as he pulls up to the stoplight, a $20 bill blows across the car and sticks in the cyclone fence. Gloria gets out of the car, grabs the $20, jumps back in the car, and Brother Copeland says, okay, kids, now we can go eat. <laughs> See, they had no money. 
They had no money to eat, you know. So at that particular point, $20 is pretty much impossible. But it doesn't matter if it's $20, $20,000, or $200,000. You will never step into the $200,000 if you never believe for the 20. Thank you, Jesus. Are you with me? You know, you got to start someplace. Oh, you know, $20 doesn't really matter. I don't have to believe God for that. Well, then you can forget about anything else. You despise the day of small beginnings, and you'll never increase. You have to start someplace, and it's believing according to the word. God supplies all your needs, and you need $20 to eat. Well, then God will supply it. God supplies all your needs, and you need $200,000 for a project, then he'll supply it. probably not going to come from a bird flying across and dropping a bag of money on your head. I mean, it could, but it's not impossible. But it's probably going to be something you have to put your hand to. And he's going to bring increase into your life or he'll bring people into your life to do it. Amen. Amen. The more you hate to be around people, the less God can have avenues of increase into your life. I'm just telling you, God uses people whether you like them or not. <laughs> James 1.25. Hallelujah. God is so good. He knows what he's doing. He put you in the earth and stuck you around all these other millions of people. James 1.25. James 1.25. But the one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does, or he will be blessed in his life of obedience. Obedience to what? The word of God that he sees in the mirror. Amen. Amen. All right. Jeremiah 1.12 tells us that God watches over his word to perform it. God's word works. This man is looking intently at the, in the mirror at the law of liberty, abides by it. He's living by it. He's walking by it. He has not forgotten it. He keeps it in his heart. He keeps it in his mouth, keeps it in his thinking. And therefore, he's an effectual doer of that word. And the word will produce results. And therefore, he's blessed in his life of obedience to the word. And here's something you have to understand. God is not obligated to do something he never said. And this is why we say it over and over and over. I, I get sick of hearing myself say it. That you must have the word of God in your mouth. This is not about just what I want, what I need. Well, I believe God heals, so this is what I want. No. Now, what does the word of God say? I still do that. I still speak to things in my life based on this is the word of God. I'm declaring the word of God over these things. And I know God watches over his word to perform it. So therefore, I can declare his word and I know that his word will come to pass. It may not come to pass all at once, but it's going to be incrementally increasing. Isn't that right? Amen. So if he's not obligated to do something he never said, then understanding is a big part of communication. We need to understand more about his ways and not just what we think his ways are. We need to understand more of what he says rather than what we think he said. But that doesn't grow unless you spend time with him. 
and you're declaring what his word says and know what his word says and allow the Holy Spirit to bring increase of revelation into you about that. This is because your understanding of what the word of God says has to go through the filter of your soul, your unrenewed mind. And your unrenewed mind is going to filter out what you've heard. And then you're going to wind up with a communication or an understanding based on not just the word, but the word that was filtered through your unrenewed soul. Are you with me? So understanding is very, very important. And when you let go of the word and you want to go over to your cliches or you want to go over to whatever it is you want to say, you are backing off from revelation of the word. This man here, he's looking in the mirror and not forgetting. Therefore, he's walking in obedience. He's living on purpose and he's living with purpose. He's not just living to exist. He's living on purpose and he's living with a purpose. There is great power for your life in obedience to the word of God. There is no power stronger in all of creation other than the word of God. Only the word of God went into the pit of hell and defeated Satan and brought him to naught and paralyzed him. Redeemed you from the curse, paid the price for your sin. Bore away your sicknesses and diseases and your lack and your anxieties and your calamities, your pain and your sorrow. He bore it all away. He gave himself spirit, soul, and body so that you could be free, spirit, soul, and body. There is no greater power in all of creation except the word of God. Nothing else. And when you get obedient to the word of God, you're going to start releasing power into your life. And the one way that God proves us in obedience, one way, is the handling of finances. In fact, the word of God said it, Jesus said it this way. If you don't handle money the right way, who's going to trust you with anything of value? And what's value, more valuable than money is the power of God. Motives is what makes our giving either gold, silver, precious stones, or wood, hay, and straw. Motives. It's not your giving, dropping something in the bucket. It's not doing. It's your motive, your heart condition. And this is why Jesus said those that gave out of their surplus did not compare to the woman that gave out of her living motive the surplus giving was a cane offering oh we'll just give him something out of the living out of her living was an able offering she may be getting two more coins next week but she gave what she had this week are you with me god's looking god wants to prove you and you have to prove yourself trustworthy to god we learned this a long time ago, that if you're believing God for, for instance, I was believing God for $15,000 for a real estate thing back in 2003, 2003. In the meantime, I fell off the roof and crushed my arm, okay? So 
I needed the 15000 for the real estate deal by the end of March. Yeah, the end of March, 2003. And about two weeks before the end of March, 11,000 came in and the other had come in at another time. So I had the 15,000. By the end of March, I had gone to see the doctor about my arm and we figured out a way to do it, the most inexpensive way we could do, and it was 15,000. Now, what did I need more? The real estate deal or my arm? But what was I believing God for? The real estate deal. So do I take the 15000 from the real estate deal and then put it over into the arm because this is what I need right now? No. You do that and God will never trust you again. That's right. I said, God, I need the 15000 for this thing over here. He provided it. You don't take it and use it someplace else. The same God that provided for that is the same God that will provide for this. I don't need to take that to use it here. Now I'm trusting in myself. This is what I was believing God for, and that's where it goes. And now that it goes there, now I believe God for the next thing. You understand? This is important stuff. In fact, it's in my book. If you haven't read the book on finances. It's, it's, it's a little, you know, it, it has stuff in there, good information. It's better than using it to start a fire in your fireplace. <laughs> see, God wants you to be, wants to see that you're trustworthy. Amen. If we have the right motives in our giving, do like he told us to do, then God will do like he said he'll do. And our bonds will overflow with divine blessing. Amen. Amen. So you could set your faith on the word that you heard today. I suggest that you hear it again and get it into your heart, put it into your mouth, into your choices and into your decisions. But don't stop with what you heard today. Grow your faith as you grow in understanding. And that's by giving yourself to what you've heard. Hear it again. Ask the Holy Spirit to bring it back up on the inside of you so that you can think about it and ponder it and then get it back down on the inside of you even deeper and further. This is the first step towards a blessed life. Amen. And we can learn, and then we can follow. You learn, and then you follow. And it's his way of doing things. You know, Proverbs 16 says, Lord, lead me in your path of life. You know, teach me to walk in your will and to walk in your ways. Why? Because that's the path that drips fatness. Amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We bless you, Lord. We honor you, Lord Jesus. We thank you for your word today, Father, that whether we are in the room or on live stream or on podcast, wherever we may be, whatever avenue we're using to hear the word, whether it be live or whether it be in archive, Father, I just thank you so much that your word went out with your anointing, that your word goes into our heart, Father, that as we hear the word, Father, we're receiving what we hear, taking hold of what we hear, and we're declaring, I believe that, and I receive that. And Father, as we will take it and meditate on it, it will grow and it will produce fruit. It'll be fruit on the inside of us, and then it'll be bearing fruit out from us. 
And Father, I just thank you that your word never returns to you void, but it will always accomplish what it was sent out to do because you watch over your word to perform it. We thank you for it. We bless you and praise you in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 Now, Father, as we come before you with our giving, Father, whether it be the tithe, whether it be seed sowing, whether it be first fruit giving, Father, we come with a heart of honor. We come with a heart of gratitude, Father. We don't just give to give, but we give on purpose and we give with purpose. And Father, you said to name the seed that we sow and we declare over the seed that we sow what it is that we want for a harvest. <clears throat> and Father, even when there are times that we're not sure what it should be for a harvest, we look to you and tell us and show us what it needs to be because you know what tomorrow will hold and we want to be in position, Father, for tomorrow so that we can continue to serve you, to walk in your ways and do the things that you've called us to do. We thank you and bless you and honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Glory to God. Hallelujah. 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 Well, thanks again for joining us, whether it be on... Oh, oh wait a minute. Wait a minute. There's going to be... Uh, we're also doing a thing for Harvest Festival today. So if you'd like to sow extra seed towards Harvest Festival, that's going to be coming up October 31st. You can also do that in your offering. And just mark it uh, on your envelope or on your... Uh, uh, check about Harvest Festival. Uh, if you've already made it out and you want some to go to Harvest and some to go to uh, the tithe, then that, and that's fine. So thanks again for joining us on live stream. And I pray that the Word of God has really touched you and affected you. Uh, Sandy and Gordon, I know that you're there. I know that uh, Pedro is there. We're, we're so glad that you could join us together. We look forward to the days that we can be in person again with one another. If you'd like to sow seed into the ministry, go to our website, newlifefamilyworship.net, and click on the giving link. And I thank you in advance for the seed that you sow. And in your giving, there is also a description box that you can put in there if there's something specific you want to sow your seed towards. Thank you, and if there's anything that we can pray with you about, please let us know. It's always a privilege to stand with our partners and believe God with you for your, your needs to be met. Amen.